a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi, Elle. How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you? Good. This is exciting. On this episode, I chat to Samantha Brett, the founder of Colt skincare brand Naked Sundays, Australia's first completely invisible over-makeup sunscreen mist. Sam started as an intern in a New York newsroom before writing a hugely popular column about dating and relationships called Sam in the City, which then turned into a series of best-selling books. Oh my God. I feel like I'm talking to somebody from Sex in the City. <laughs> she then pivoted to a news reporting career, moving to a country New South Wales and working her way up to being a reporter with Sunrise and Seven News, covering the biggest stories across the country. I want to find out how Sam went from being a journalist to creating an incredible skincare product and why her work as a reporter was actually the catalyst for creating her beauty brand. You are going to want to know how she's done it. Hi, Sam. Welcome. Hi. This is so exciting. I, I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. So it's really exciting to actually get the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. I feel exactly the same. I feel like I've <laughs> been following you since very, very early on when I think we both had blogs. Yes. It was like the early 2000s. And yes. I had the um, Ask Sam, Sam in the City blog on the City it. Morning Herald and you had your, where you'd post your photos yes. and I remember following you and yes, I feel like I've known you for many, many years. It's so nice to go full circle with so many people that I get to chat on here. So we're going to get to the Ask Sam shortly because I need to go deep into that. But before we start, I always like to kind of do an icebreaker called the Fast Five. So it's five rapid fire questions. The less time you spend thinking about it, the more honest the answer is. And I, I kind of love that about these questions. So are you ready? Let's go. Okay. What did you eat for breakfast? Toast with peanut butter. Nice. Describe yourself in three words. Oh, loud, fun, hardworking. Nice. Friends or Seinfeld? <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant like hanging out with friends or staying home watching Seinfeld. That was like Seinfeld. Um, oh, I'm a friends friends girl. Okay. If you were stranded on a tropical island, what are two items you'd take with you? Can I include my four-year-old daughter? Oh, yes. I was. I love that I didn't think of that. I first went to your product, but yes, you can have her. She can come with you. Yes. Harper and sunscreen. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. And lucky last, if you could trade lives with anybody for a day, who would oh, it be? Oh, you? Oh my God, your wardrobe. I, the amount of times I DM you like, Elle, what are those shoes that you're wearing? Or what is that jacket? And you're like, it's tagged in the photo. <laughs> I know. I know. I, do you know what? It depends. That sounds so bad. It depends what time of day it is and what day it is, whether I'll send you a link or just be like it's tagged it's tagged leave me alone (laughs) I feel like you've lived a hundred lives so I'm gonna start at the beginning for people that are tuning in you actually have an incredible brand that I'm a huge fan of called Naked Sunday 
Series, which is an SBF um, sunscreen brand, which I love, which we will get to. But your journey didn't start there. And I would love to know where it started. I finished school um, and I always thought for me, broadcasting, television, being a journalist would be my goal. And I heard that in the US, you could apply for internships. And in Australia, it was very hard to get your foot in the door in television. Everyone said it's not going to happen. So I went and I applied for Fox News, CNN, um, CBS, and totally forgot about it, Elle. And about six months later, I get the call from Fox News and CNN, actually, both of them offering me internships. Now I'm a 19-year-old at university, never been to America before. In Australia? Were you in Oz? I was in Australia. Yeah. And I thought uh, CNN was in Atlanta, the internship, Fox News was in New York. And I thought, what a great idea to go to New York as a 19-year-old, never (laughs) been to America before by myself, and work at Fox News for a couple of months as an intern. So off I went to Fox News and um, it was the election at the time and it was just the most electrifying time to be in New York. And while I was there, showing my age again, Sex in the City was really, really big. It's still big. Don't say that. It's still big. It's like the Bible. It's like, it's, it, yes. Don't Have say you that spoken age. to millennials and asked them if they even know what it is? I refuse to. <laughs> okay. I, I, just, I, I actually think it's like part of our culture and mm. you actually should know it as part of just culture. Part like of history. That's, that's it. So I don't care what age you are. If you're listening to this podcast, go home and watch Sex in the City if you haven't yes, seen it. Yes, <laughs> okay. Go home and watch it. So, yes, yeah, so I'd go home from work and I'd watch it. And while I was at Fox News as well, it was very, very serious and I was working on some incredible shows and breaking news, but all anyone ever wanted to talk about was their own relationships. And I just... I got it in me that how cool would it be to bring sort of a Sex in the City type column back to Australia? And I also thought back then, because there were no blogs except maybe yours, but <laughs> there were no online discussions or blogs at all. And I could see in America it was starting very, very slowly. And I thought, what a great idea to pitch to a newspaper yeah. a blog about dating and relationships in Australia. So I called them from New York. Yeah. I called a couple of newspapers and I said, I'm pitching this column. It's going to be called Sam in the City. How Love original. It. Love it. Love and it. they all said, uh, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. And they hang up. Can I just say it was this time just to paint the picture, blogs were dirty words because I remember also kind of being, you know, like reaching out to publications and kind of going, you know, like I've got this blog and it was a dirty word in the industry. So I can imagine the kickback that you got when you pitched this. 100%. So. And even like only now recently yeah. am I proud to say that I write, write, yeah. I wrote a blog. Back yes. then I called it a column, even yeah. like on my website or wow. we didn't even have Instagram back then, but like yeah. on the Facebook page, I would say columnist. I would yeah. never say blogger. You're yeah. so right. Yeah, so, isn't it funny? But, but the point of it was that I wanted to be interactive because now we had online. So Sex in the City could have moved on from newspaper to online. How would that yes. look? Yes. So anyway, called them every month for about six months and eventually yeah. the Sydney Morning Herald said, you can start your blog on Monday, <laughs> stop calling us. <laughs> really? Okay, and online, still online on the Sydney Morning Herald Correct. website? Yes. Yeah, okay. And you'll get paid. Okay. Yes, because back then, of course, bloggers didn't even get paid anything. No. So, <laughs> as we know. We're so, like, no, no. no. <laughs> and so I started the blog, I think it was in 2008, 2007 yep. or 2008, and the first column was Why I Hate Valentine's Day. And... I got probably 
200 comments that day. Oh, wow. We started getting 100,000 readers every single wow. day and it just completely exploded. And so from there, I was able to write this column. <laughs> I still call it a column. I'm too scared of it. Do you know what? It sounds really good as a column. It actually, do, it's fun. It is actually funny that that there is still that stigma around yes. blogs. And so many amazing blogs have been launch pads for so many amazing publications. You know what I mean? Like things. Books, but, movies. Yeah, books. Yes. Exactly. Now, but yes, let's call it a column. <laughs> <Your> column. <laughs> call it a column. So I started writing the column blog for uh, every day for six years. And that created um, a number of books. I wrote about six books on the topic of dating and relationships because I had this wealth of knowledge. I had hundreds of people writing into me about their dating issues. It was brand new that internet dating had just come into the fore. And I was at the zeitgeist, like the the crux of like what is really going on with people in real time. And it was just the most fun, extraordinary experience. So of course I left my television journalism career behind and really focused on, on that. How did the books happen though? Because I love that you're a published author from the blog. How did it, did you pitch the book or did they come to you? How did that work? Interestingly, after I started writing the column, after about six months, I had plenty of publishers coming to me going, let's collate your columns and put them into a book. What have you got? Wow. And I thought it was always a dream, L, to write. I, you know, I'm a writer at heart. You speak to a lot yeah. of journalists and they have like one thing that they just love about it. Uh, for me, I love like the written word and also people's stories and just telling their yeah. stories. Yeah. So I was able to collate the columns into a book, but that was the first book. Then after that, I thought, right, we need to give a message to women. What is it going to be? And so the first of a series of books that I wrote, which I'm super proud of, was called The Chase. And so basically it was about how to get men to chase you rather than you chasing the guy. We like that. That's just like, he's not that into you. I remember reading that book at a certain time of my life and I was like, the light bulb went off. (laughs) Totally. So the light bulb went off for so many women. And so I wrote the follow-up book to that, which was called The Catch which explains to women how you can become the catch. And that means not focusing on a man, but rather focusing on yourself. Light bulb moment. And funnily enough, yes, so I did the catch. So I'd broken up with an eight-year relationship. I did everything in the book to the letter. And the subtitle was how to get the guy to find you. I love this. And then my husband found me on the I internet. I love this. Oh my God, stop. There's so much I want to talk to you about right now that I'm really trying to stay focused. Can I ask, when you started the column and you had the success and it was getting the momentum, were your peers that were around you kind of in the journalism world, were they supportive or were they kind of like, well, what are you doing? This is going to blow over. Like wh- what was the vibe? Hated it. Yeah. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. Who are you? You're a sellout. Yeah. How dare you be writing about relationships? You're no expert. And it yes. took me a, it took me a couple of years, L, to really change the narrative around yeah. and say, guys, I know I'm not the expert and that's what I do. I'm a journalist. Yeah. I get the topic. I interview the experts. I interview people about their thoughts and how it worked for them. And then I write about it. And then I get you, the collective audience, to respond back. And then it's a dialogue. Yeah. I'm not trying to be the expert. So it took me a couple of years to really change that around. Once I did, 
I think that's when the real magic started to happen. Yeah. But before that, I was definitely up against a lot of walls in my industry. People don't realise how small the industry is in Australia and everybody knows everybody and everybody has an opinion. And I think the other sad thing is, is that we also don't like tall poppies and for some reason we like to cut them down. So I just hearing you go one way and you were, you know, in New York working for an amazing, you know, broadcaster to come back and write a blog, you know what I mean? Is like a big shift in kind of the way that you were going. Was your family supportive? Hated it. Really? My parents were embarrassed. Really? Stop writing about sex. Really? (laughs) My boyfriend at the time hated it. Oh God. It was just so popular and people lived by it. What made you keep going? The people that would write in and say, thank you. The column you wrote today helped me understand something about men versus women. And L, people met each other and got married. I'm not, because the column went on for six years through writing comments in the blog. And so we started having meetups. Oh my God, it's too The people writing in started having Sam in the City get-togethers. But I'm talking like they were 60-year-old people that were single and had lived two streets yeah. away their whole lives and then met through the column and they be- and they got married. Like, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was that kind of... You need to write a screenplay. You actually need to write a screenplay <laughs> for this. Like, it's just, it's quite unique. So hold on. So six years you're doing the column. Yes. Still with the Sydney Morning Herald. Yes. Yes. And then what happened next? Next, as I said to you, my relationship of eight years broke down and... That was a really tough time. And here I am writing about how to have a great relationship and suddenly I'm single. And then every single thing that I've ever written about happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Why men lie to get laid. This guy pretended he was a banker. And he was like an assistant at a pet shop, which is fine, but it was just the (laughs) lies and just lie after lie. They had a girlfriend, but they were trying to date me. and Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> your skin kind of crawls at it, but at least you were doing your research, you know, God. at least you were all in. And at least I had um, topics to write about. True, true. Endless. Material. Endless material. Endless Lots stop. of material. <laughs> so I got to a point where I was like, okay, stop. Can't do this anymore. Done. I'm done. I can never, ever talk about relationships again until I sort my own life out. That's when yep. I wrote The Catch. That's when I started doing The Catch. And... Part of doing the catch or part of becoming a catch is really listening to what you are passionate about and what you want to do and what drives you. And telling people stories is really what drives me at the end of the day. I love dating and relationships, but it's not. I'm not going to let it ruin my life. So yeah. I got to a point where I was like, all right, I want to get back to telling people stories and I want to get back to being what I want to do, which was being a news reporter, which is why yeah. I got into the industry. Yeah. So I left Sydney, quit the column, drove myself to the country orange and Wagga Wagga in my car with all my clothes and no money (laughs) and no salary, like very minuscule salary and became a news reporter and started from the ground up and I was in my late 20s. In Wagga Wagga? Yes. Yeah. So you drove, you left the city Went to Wagga. Yes. Where there was an opportunity at the local news. Yes, at the local television station. Tell us about it. Oh, golly. Okay. And I learned my craft. I yeah. learned how to script. I learned how to be on camera. I learned about the news. I learned what makes a good story. And I spent a couple of months there. And then an opportunity came back to Australia. Uh, to Australia. It seems so far away. <laughs> came back to Sydney to work at Sky News as a producer. Wow. And so I did that. And then an opportunity came to start the Hobart Bureau for Sky News. 
So that meant filming yourself, writing your scripts, filming everything yourself and editing. Because it's quite a hustle, isn't it? I didn't realise how much of a hustle it is when you are a presenter. I think a lot of people think that you sit in hair and makeup and then you just walk on and you do it. But it's actually like it's a hustle. And it's a lot of women that are actually doing it. I spent some time in WA two years ago and I had a, a reporter. She followed me around with what I was doing and she never stopped. Like she was writing things. She was editing things. She was doing her own hair and makeup. Like it was like a full thing. So yes. respect to you, respect. I want to see that story, by the way. That would be awesome. It was, it was an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to Hobart. So then I went to Hobart and I ran the bureau, which meant I filmed myself. So when you work for Sky News as a bureau, it's all politics and breaking news. So I would follow around. It was the Rudd, Gillard, Rudd era. It was the Abbott era. So I'm like following them around. Any international people that came, I was there at the press conferences. I broke a lot of news stories and I happened to do an incredible news story where 70 people got stranded in Antarctica from around the world on an icebreaker and one Hobart (laughs) team went to rescue them from Antarctica. And so 70 international people came back on this icebreaker and arrived in Hobart. And I was the only reporter there. So I was on CNN, CBS. I was with Gail King from CBS live, Oprah's best friend. And so that really helped me catapult my career back into Sydney. Oh, I got goosebumps. It's funny how things happen, isn't it? It's really funny how little things in your journey happen. And it is a lead up Mm. to like a point It's so funny to think that you, like you were Sam in the city. Do you know what I mean? And then you're breaking these like hard hitting stories. Mm. Wow. So then, okay. Was that your sliding door moment? Do you think when the iceberg? I've recently recently watched Titanic, but is it like, because that would have been huge for your career when you're like everywhere. Yeah. All over CNN and CBS uh, in America you know what, as we go along with this story, there are so many sliding door moments. I feel like my whole life is a sliding door. That's why I love your podcast so much. But that was just a moment for me to say I'd really made it. I was good at my job and I was able to come back to Sydney where my family is and and be a news reporter there and keep following my dreams. So that's when I joined Seven News in Sydney. Isn't it funny that you had to prove yourself though? Do you know what I mean? Like you had to kind of go away and like prove yourself to be able to come back to Sydney and stand up as a proper journalist. Exactly. And so the funniest thing was when I was the Sam in the city, I was able, I interviewed all the celebrities, all the big celebrities, like David Beckham was here, uh, who, you name it, that, you know, Angelina Jolie, like they were all here and I'd be able to interview them as Sam in the city. And I had one interview with the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, yeah. And I put it on my showreel. And no, that's why, you know, no one would give me a job in news because they said there is, we've never, ever had a girl send us a showreel with an interview with the Pussycat Dolls. They remembered you though, didn't they? Did they remember you? Well, they called me back a few years later going, all right, you can, you can, you can come join us now. You know, wow. but as you say, Elle, I had to prove myself time and time again. And I feel constantly in everything I've done, you know, even starting the blog and then being a news reporter. And then the next bit of my career, it's always proving yeah. that I, that A, I can do it, B, I'm the right person to do it. And, and I'm probably not, but I work harder. Then. That's what I was going to say. You're a very high, I know I, I interviewed, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, I think it was Jackie Frank, actually. She was saying, you know, like the difference between somebody being good at something and not is actually hard work. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And you can't deny it when you're a hard worker. And I think you're somebody 
that sees the opportunity and just goes for it. Mm. Whatever, which way, if it means going to the country and living in the country or going to Hobart, like you're going for it, which I think also a lot of people ask me, how did you make it? And like, truth be told, it's hard work and not Mm. giving up, you know? Yes. So I guess the thing I would love to chat more about is how now the columnist, the journalist, the reporter is now a beauty boss. How has this happened? (laughs) So after I was working as a news reporter for quite a long time, I wanted to do something creative again. So I came up with this book called The Game Changers, which um, it was before like the big female explosion of female empowerment, but it was quite like an easy time to get some really big interviews. You know, it was put yeah. before, you know, the explosion of sort of podcasts and, uh, and blogs about women. It was just, it wasn't really spoken about a lot. So this was back in 2015, 16. Interesting that it's exploded in such a quick time. And I was able for that book to, with my co-author, interview a bunch of women, including um, Ariana Huffington and Meghan Markle. Oh, wow. And so what I learned from these women, and we've interviewed about 60 of them, they all had a similar strand to their story. And I'm sure you hear this as well in the podcasts that you do. They just didn't give up. When they had an idea, they just went for it. Oh, I got goosebumps. I really, like, it's so true. It's so true. Yes, keep going. I'm sorry for interrupting. (laughs) I was very inspired by all these stories and it sort of put this drive into me of, okay, if something comes up. So I'm a news reporter. I stand outside in the sun for hours on end talking about the main story of the day every half an hour for Sunrise Morning Show. The six o'clock news is just relentless. You know, I'm doing bushfires and floods and COVID and and murders, whatever it is, I'm outside with a heavy face of makeup. And the idea brew in 2019, so it must have been during that year, but since then I've had a bunch of more colleagues that have had to get skin cancers cut out of their faces. One wow. of my colleagues emailed me the other day, she had to get a skin cancer cut out of the top of her head. And this is news reporters, you don't realise you're standing outside for 10 hours straight. It's not like you go to the beach for two hours, spraying your sunscreen no. and go home. You don't think about it. You You actually don't think that you guys are standing out in the sun for 10 hours. You just think you do the cross and that's it. Like I hate to say it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't think you're standing there. Yeah. And you also think we have an auto cue and hair and makeup. No, no, no. That wind machine, wind machine, like, you know, like a big honey wagon with your (laughs) catered lunch. No, it's not like that. That's real wind. That is real wind. That is a McDonald's coffee. (laughs) So, So uh, this idea started brewing in my head about how to reapply sunscreen during the day. And I actually was looking around and I found absolutely nothing. And so I thought, why isn't there sort of like maybe a spray that I can spray over my makeup as like a bit of a setting spray, but that had SPF 50 plus in it. And so I started researching and I spoke to a couple of chemists and formulators and TGA experts. And they were like, well, it's because it can't be done. Like, here's a sample. We'll make something for you. It was white. It was sticky. And I know that there's been a few in the US, but Australia has very different TGA rules to the US. So like, it just can't be done. I was like, yes, it can. We love that, don't we? We love it when they say no. Yes. Yes. The game changers women told me so. (laughs) Meghan Markle believes in it. (laughs) I love it. So I continued on, Elle, and it took like over a year and a half to formulate this spray. And I was adamant. I was like, it's got to have vitamin C in it. It's got to have hyaluronic acid in it. They're like, what? Why? I said, just put it in. And so finally, finally, after like a billion different reiterations, finally had a spray. And you know how it is when you're making your products. I'm sure like to get the right formula that you're happy with. Yeah. It just takes forever. 
It's really funny when you go in with a concept and an idea of what you want and how that road is not straight Mm. and how many bumps there are in the road and how many no's you've got to hear before you have a yes. And then also you've got to pivot in some things. Do you know what I mean? Like I, when I started, I really wanted to be Australian owned and Australian made, and I just could not get the formula that I wanted made here in Australia. So my tan is actually manufactured in California purely because I couldn't get the technology here in Australia. So I'm sure I know you're shaking your head because it's such a hard journey that people don't understand Mm. the amount of things that go in to get to where you are. And as one of the, you know, the qualities of your product is it doesn't have that white film. You know what I mean? Like number one, when I think of sunscreen, and I say this all the time on my stories, I think of when my mom used to cover my face in sunscreen and I had that white film on me and Naked Sundays is one product that I know that I don't get that from. And I'm sure that was such a big part that was so important to you because as a newsreader, you couldn't yes. have that white film on. You know what I mean? So how did you go about finding the right chemist? Did you test with a few or? Oh, yes. <laughs> and I keep thinking, like, <laughs> how did I even find a chemist? I always think about that. Yeah. So, yes, firstly, to your point, the one thing I said, it cannot have white cast and it has to be good for your skin. Yeah. It's like the Ariana Huffington story that I always tell when I interviewed her. She said she went to 30 different banks to ask for a loan to start Huffington Post. It was the 31st one. It was that experience. Yeah. I went to every single chemist I could find and every single formulator and eventually just one was like, all right, let's give this a shot. And it still took a year and a half and I still, you know, through that journey was like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right person to have on my staff? Um, you know, they're they're incredible and I think we have some of the best chemists in the world working on Naked Sundays and we're so blessed by that. But, oh, it was it was so touch and go. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't even answer emails after a while. No, you've got to get really aggressive, I've learned. Were you yeah. asking a lot of people in the industry? Because obviously you didn't know anything about beauty other than personal experience, you know what I mean? You haven't got a background in beauty. I mean, your background is journalism. Were you asking fellow people in the industry? How did you, because people say, how does it start? Do you know what I mean? How did you actually go about it? Yeah. There's such a big gap from concept and idea to physically holding that product. And sometimes it's simple as like I say to people, I literally Googled I sat on good, like that's where mm. I was. I Googled and cold called because I was like, if I'm doing this, I've, I've got to somehow open a door. You know what I mean? And I'm just interested in other, yeah. you know, people. How did you do it? Yes, absolutely. Cold calling and just sitting on email and Googling like TGA regulations for sunscreen. Because yeah, sunscreen's hard. Sunscreen Sunscreen's is- really, people don't realize it. Like I looked at sunscreen right back at the beginning purely because I've always worn sunscreen. I don't like to go, and that's why I make a fake tan because I don't like to tan naturally. Mm. But it was so hard to do a sunscreen. So hats off to you. How did you do it? It's still so hard. And, you know, there's regulations, different regulations in every single jurisdiction. So, you know, we're still constantly (laughs) looking at all of that. But, um, so I, whilst you say I have no experience in, in actual formulating beauty, because I was on television every single day, how my skin appears in front of a light was a science that I studied to no end. What sunscreen or what primer or what moisturizer, I don't even wear moisturizer because it makes my skin look too greasy in front of the camera, or a primer might throw a white cast or something. So my whole life, and I've been on the road for over 10 years, and I don't want to tell the exact number, but it's closer Mm. to 20 
that yeah. I've been on the road in front of cameras doing my own makeup. And you've got great skin. Your skin's flawless. Like you've got it's a really process. good skin. It's a process. Yep. And so I can't tell you like the amount of research that went into just knowing what is going to work in front of the camera and then yeah. working with the best makeup artists when I am yeah. in the studio for yeah almost 20 years and so then really saying to me like I remember I had this makeup artist and she's like I'm gonna put some eye cream on it's infused with hyaluronic acid yeah and you file it away you file it away file in your away. mind yeah and yeah, so then yeah. I was on air wearing cover-up infused with the hyaluronic acid on air and you couldn't see it uh, didn't look greasy didn't look wet it just looked glowy and I thought yes. okay you file it away yeah. and then you want to get the vitamin c to give your skin the bounce and then you want to those sort of things so yeah. I filed that stuff away for years. And so when it came to it and I wanted the spray, when it came to the efficacy, I just said SPF 50 plus, it's got to be because I know in Australia. Yeah, we like a high SPF. We do. We do. And we have to have that. That is what the make. And I listen to the makeup artists. They always say, you need to wear your sunscreen. You need yeah. to wear something like, well, which sunscreen? Because they all make me look white and pasty. And they make you break out. Yes. I mean, I've always been really careful which one goes on my face because I would always break out from sunscreen because it had so much oil in it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah. so it had to be oil-free. Imagine yeah. that. It had to be like yeah. my, all my creams are fragrance-free, and then but they need to blur out. Your, your wrinkles because who has time to put eye cream on and three layers? So, yes. Yeah. So I'd wake up at three in the morning, L, and I'd go, okay, I need one product. I, I can't wear moisturizer, a serum, or this, that, and the other. I just need one thing that I can put on. I do not have time. And then I can put my makeup on over and it has to sit right. Yeah. So when I was formulating and I was speaking to the formulators, those were the important things. It has to be yeah. all in one. It has to blur your wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big feat, but we've done it. It has to sit well with makeup over or under makeup. And those were just those key things that I just had to make sure had to happen. Not because I have a beauty background, because I have a TV background. Yeah, which is true. And when you were on this fabulous journey, who was supporting the dream of Naked Sundays? It's interesting, but my husband, who has nothing to do with the industry and is a banker, um, well, he would hate that word. So he's in finance. <laughs> I'm sure he works somewhere near a bank, but um, he's in finance. He, yeah. It's funny because he, him and his brother, the yeah. outdoors boys, they, they played sport growing up. They, and so they would always wear sunscreen. And it's funny, but they always said to me, wouldn't it be cool to make sunscreen cool? And I was like, what are you talking about? And yeah. they always, both of them were like, it's got to be cool. Why are we buying this like white, sticky, orange, yellow, like yeah. where's the coolness? So when I came up with Naked Sundays and I showed it to them and it was lilac, they were like, oh no, <laughs> we didn't mean that. <laughs> and but the more that I've got into it with them, they are just so wonderful and supportive. You know, they help me with the financials and yeah. they help me just with the concepts and, and the business side of things. And they're just yeah. so lovely and supportive. I, I smile when I think about them because they're like these two six foot five. Yeah, they're <laughs> not the typical, they're not your typical beauty bosses that you think of. But <laughs> but I think it comes down to real, like using real products that work. Do you know what I mean? Like they're saying to you, like, let's make sunscreen cool. And the fact that you can spray your spray over the top of makeup, and I'm sure the boys use it when they're out there and they can just reapply it without having to actually mm. lather up. You know what I mean? It, it's 
sometimes they're the best people to have around you, people that actually aren't going to fill you with a whole lot of Mm. lies. Like they're real, they keep it real, you know? Mm. The other thing that I think people don't realize that entrepreneurs and kind of, you know, startups have a lot is sacrifice. And I'd love to hear about some of the sacrifices (laughs) besides your skin that you, that you've had on this journey. So for me, this is the big thing. So when I started coming up with Naked Sundays back in 2019, I had a full-time job and I was working at three. I wake up at three. I'm on, you know, sunrise or the news until three o'clock in the afternoon. And we don't have a script in front of us. So I'm learning my lines off by heart and you've got to be on top of the news. You can't, you can't just not read the newspaper that day. You've got to read seven newspapers every day, every hour. You've got to be at the press conferences with the premier. You've got to know what's going on. Yeah. And so I would come home and there's no, like, I can't make dinner for my family. I can't look after my daughter. I go straight, close the study. And start working on Naked yeah. Sundays. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. that for me, it, it was years of of really putting my family last. And thankfully yeah. they're still they're still Your around. Yeah. They're still here. <laughs> but that was a huge sacrifice for a while and I didn't sleep. So I'd yeah. stay up all night, you know, till midnight doing Naked Sundays, and then I'd wake up at three and I'd go to work. Yeah. And I just think eventually now, only in the last couple of weeks, I've had to say, okay with Naked Sundays exploding like it has, let me take a step back from the news, something that I love and I'm so passionate about. This is exciting. This is like a sliding doors moment happening. Yeah. So you've kind of stepped away a bit more from the reporting and more into Naked Sundays. Can you see? I'm not even wearing false eyelashes today. I know. I was like, but this is amazing because that I feel like every person I talk to that step is huge in mm. the journey because you kind of put the value where you kind of want the value. You know what I mean? It's, yes. And it's scary because you kind of lose that security. It is scary. And I think I spent the first week crying because I, <laughs> you know, I was like, what am I doing with my time and where am I and who am I? But and it's I, a hard ladder oh. to climb to get to where you were. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. I st- yes. You know, I'm, I won't say how old I am, but mid 30s maybe but when I went to Fox News that time I was telling you about I was 19 that's how many years it took me to get to where I was and now I get to present shows and do the weather and present the news but yeah I say I'm taking a long extended break from the news and from reporting to focus on Naked Sundays and my family yeah but that's so amazing congratulations it's very very cool With saying that, I feel like what comes along with taking that leap of faith is this thing called imposter syndrome because you kind of are like, am I worth it? Am I doing it right? Oh, God, like, is this the right decision? Do you suffer from imposter syndrome or you are just somebody that... Just goes for it. <laughs> oh, I'm the best. I just go for it. No, <laughs> no. L, when I started, yeah. we released Naked Sundays in January, the end of January. I didn't tell anyone that I did it for seven months. Not even you. I didn't even no, because tell because I feel like you did it. And I have to say this because you. I got. I remember getting a DM and you were like, oh, I'm thinking about starting like a brand, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, go for it, girlfriend, go for it. And then I worked with Naked Sundays and then like months later you were like, hi, it's me, it's my brand. And I was like trying to join all the dots. And then people were obviously talking in the industry and they were like, she's a newsreader that's now a beauty boss. And I was like, this is so interesting. So you never told anybody that it was yours. I did not. I had the biggest imposter syndrome 
I did not tell one person. And now looking back, I do feel like that was the right thing for me. I'm not, you know, your, your brand is you. It's named after you. You are, you know, we all want to look like you. We buy your product. But for me, this is a sunscreen. This is not anything to do with me. This is a TGA approved. It's a product. Yeah. High performance sunscreen that works that I happen to have the idea and got the team together and created. So I was, I still back that. And I'm thankful that I was able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have a full-time job, I think, because I would have felt like, oh, I want, you know, it's mine. But I had a huge imposter syndrome. I thought no one's going to take it seriously if, if I tell anyone that it's mine. But when I did release my name, which <laughs> very, very recently, um, and I did finally have the courage, I felt like the brand had got to a place where it spoke for itself and it didn't yeah. need to be founder-led. I think it's a great move. Thank you. So you've just launched into Mecca, which yes. is super exciting. Yay. Right next to your products, hopefully. Yes, <laughs> they go very well together, just saying. They do, they do. No, but it's same as you, Elle. I've been shopping there since, you know, I was a baby and it's just such a thrill and it's such a privilege to be in Mecca with all those amazing brands, including yours. I mean, this was never on my list of things that I thought, you know, would ever happen. But um, yeah, it's just so exciting. It's so amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. For me, it was actually Mecca taking my product that made me Mm. feel like it was a real product. So I was lucky enough to have the audience and have the customer, but still inside of me somewhere was this doubt that I was not a real beauty brand. And Mm. I've been such a huge fan. I've said it a thousand times of Mecca since I was a baby. The minute I saw it on the shelf, I was like, it's real. Is that the best feeling, being it on the shelf in Mecca? Can I tell you, I went in with balloons. I had flowers. I threw myself my own party. People were like shopping and they were like, well, what is this girl doing? I, had a, I got a camera crew in. I was like, this happens once in a lifetime. So enjoy it for everything that it is. Enjoy it. But I, I applaud you for choosing your own narrative. You know what I mean? And playing mm-hmm. it the way you wanted to and standing up and saying it's mine when you're ready, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's true people, so many girls I know and guys have the product and love the product, not for who you are or what your story is for the product, which I think is so unique. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, like, yeah, I was very nervous to come out. Yeah, I was so nervous and I was down at Bondi Beach. I know you love Bondi as well. And it was, you know, it was like eight o'clock in the morning and it would have normally been the time when I would have done my last sunrise cross and it was a Friday and I just thought, you know what, the sun was shining. I was just, I felt like it was ready and I wrote a little post on Instagram and slowly, slowly people were like, what, what's happening? We don't understand. And then slowly, slowly it was like, oh, and then the press called and then it sort of spiraled that way. And it was just such a wonderful, warm um, reaction. Yeah. I love that though. That's really special. Thank like you. you should hold that and sit in it. Cause I think uh, just having these discussions with amazing women and men that have created their own things, I don't think we sit in it long enough. Mm. So make sure you take a moment and sit in it because it's, it's really, really cool. Thank you. Very, very cool. So I would love to ask your advice for somebody that's thinking about mm. starting their own thing or being self-made. They're about to start their next chapter or start something new, what advice would you give to somebody? I think there's so many different ways to look at that. But the first thing I would say is just back yourself. If you have a passion and you want to do something, back yourself. Who who cares what anyone else thinks? Not your parents, not your partner, not your friends, not the industry. Like 
For, don't remember when Elle and I started blogs and everyone said, <laughs> what are you guys doing? Like, don't forget that. Listen to this and listen to us saying, everyone told us, you know, what are you doing? And, and that, that leads to something. So back yourself. But the second thing is I really think a lot of people have come to me and said, I've got this idea. And I think yeah. market research is underrated, Yes. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a hundred percent. I mean, I always say I was lucky enough to be able to use my audience on Instagram, like market research. So I would ask them questions. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like before I started L Effect, I was like, what are three things that come to mind when you think of me? Mm. So I was using my audience as market research. So that was Would you ever have done like um denim shorts? Well, that's what I, everybody thought it was going to be. Can't find yeah, no, but that legit is the reason that I think I went the other way was because everybody thought it was going to be that. And I thought okay. it was too predictable. And I've also said this, I knew too much about fashion and I knew nothing about beauty Wow. and it didn't scare me. Do you know what I mean? So it was like, for you, it's even like you saying it, you just kind of, you also want to shock them a little bit. Like mm. you want to, you want to create a bit of a groundswell, you know, like I think if you would have come out and said I was the newsreader that made a sunscreen because I stood outside for 10 hours every day, you kind of like, oh yeah, but like you launched, you blew it up and then you told your story. There's something quite, yes. you've got to make something of something. And I think for me, the denim shorts were, were too predictable <laughs> then, but you know, you'll never, never, never say never, never say never. <laughs> Cause I need some, I need some L effect <laughs> shorts, please. Yes. So I think those two things, and yeah. it's not that I was able to um, have an audience like you did, but I did ask around and the, it's funny, the cameraman at work, like, so the magic in your um, market research can be anything. It doesn't have to be your Instagram followers. I asked the cameraman at work because they would spray sunscreen on them. Oh, I said, what yeah. don't you like about that sunscreen that you're using from the chemist? And they yeah. would say, it's sticky and it smells. Yeah. And I have to rub it in and it's a little bit white. And I was like, okay. Let's yeah. make it non-sticky and yeah. let's not make it smell bad and let's not make it white. So yeah. that it was all around me, you know. So I think so those are my two things. And just never ever give up. Keep going. It's it's funny how many people tell you, including the industry experts, um, that you can't do it. And I just feel like Elle writing back to so many of those people who I went to in the early days saying, Oh, it can't be done. You'll never be able to afford it. You'll never be able to do this or the other. I just want to write back and say, Oh, hey, remember me? Can I tell you your time comes? They comes, they don't all come at once, but they come and you get the opportunity. It's really funny because I think of a couple that were really big ones in my journey. And I've had one of them come and I'm waiting for the next one. So yours will come, <laughs> okay. trust me. Um, what's next? What are you working on? What is next in your world that you can tell us about? Yes. Yeah, so we're in Mecca, which is huge. Yeah, and it's so huge. Fun. Congratulations. It's amazing. It's an amazing achievement. And then Naked Sundays, you know, we're all about SBF. So it's just really listening to what people want next from us and just making sure that everything is rigorously tested, high performance, and then also fun and cute for your shelfie. So like, you know, it's all lilac. I've got it next to my um I know, my, it looks tint. very good. How it good looks does good. it look? I had to make it match. But um, yes. yeah, just making everything, just making sunscreen fun as, as best as I can. So, you know, listening to the customers about what they want and then how do I make that fun and cool and put the Naked Sunday spin on it. Oh, I love that. I knew I loved your brand before I met you, but I think I love it even more now because of just knowing your story, you know what I mean? And knowing the hard work that goes into it and just also 
there's something said about a woman that just keeps trying, just keeps going and, <laughs> and, and also just keeps changing the direction. You know what I mean? But at the end, like now you can add another layer to your achievements. And I just think it's amazing. And I feel like now when I spray my new glow body mist over me, I'll be feeling even more proud that it comes from you. Thank so you. Thank you for sharing your story with me. And I, I know a lot of our listeners are going to just love this because I think the truer the, the story is and how real it is, it, it kind of gives a sense of hope that we can all do it, which I love. And that's always what I've hoped to give hope, you know, with the game changers, with being able to write the column, like never giving up, just, you know, if you have the hope, it can happen. Yes. And I am waiting for the screen. I want a movie. I want a movie. I want a movie of like Sam in the city meets Naked Sundays. I'm hanging out for that. Will you be on the poster in your shorts? Yeah, totally. I'll be there. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager, Camille Toulouse, for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.